turn in the Gospels to Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And then we're going to read a little later, verses 36 through 43. As uh, if you're visiting, you've walked in on the second week of the kingdom parables, unlocking the secrets of the kingdom from Matthew 13, where Jesus taught seven parables back to back on nothing but the kingdom of God as he stood there in a boat just right off the shore of the the lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee with massive crowds listening to him. And he said these words from our text today. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you you may root up the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, and gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. You know, life in a fallen world is difficult. It's just hard. It's hard because we struggle with our, our own selfishness and our own issues inside of us as we relate to people, as we accomplish and, and don't accomplish and, and work with people and things in this world. It's hard because people aren't always as reliable as they should be and, you know, just things are just happening in a fallen world all the time. I think it's particularly hard to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In a fallen world, we look around us and we just see all kinds of things that just should not be so. We see things that are happening that are, that are just, you know, disappointing to us and distressing to us. And, and I think we'd be less than honest if we didn't say that there are just times and emotionally where we, we just want to almost scream, God, why don't you bring your kingdom with power Now, do something about this. Come now, bring the fullness of your kingdom to bear right now. And and as we look around us, and as we see what is happening or not happening, sometimes we wonder, is the kingdom really coming? If it is, it's not on schedule. At least it's not on my schedule. In our text, Jesus wants us to understand that it is on schedule. He uses this sentence seven times. The kingdom of heaven is like... What is it like? Well, that's a subject of much debate. There are people, for instance, who think in terms of the kingdom of heaven that that really the kingdom of, of God should be more forceful. They, they think more in terms of kind of a military and powerful conquest where God subdues His enemies and pushes them back. 
That's the way the people in Jesus' day saw the kingdom of God, that Messiah would come, He would inaugurate the kingdom, He would at minimum vanquish the Romans. That's why, incidentally, one of the reasons they were so disappointed in Jesus Christ, who was crucified by the Romans. People throughout the ages have felt this way about the kingdom of God. That's why people in the Middle Ages gathered up armies called the Crusades to go and and kill those people and bring in the kingdom of God through arms and through force. Now, I don't know many people that feel that way, at least in our nation, about the kingdom of God at this moment, but there are definitely people who think it's kind of a, a political victory even. Spell that ballots, not bullets. The kingdom of God is just kind of a sphere of of power and influence. And if if we could just gather more Christian influence and and bring it, if we could get a Christian Washington, then then we'd have a brand new country and a brand new world. Now, you know, we have no problem in our church with uh, believers in Jesus engaging in politics any more than engaging the arts. Uh, We think that all these things are uh, every facet we should be engaged in. But we do not believe the kingdom of God will come through power, human power or pressure. And there there are other views of the kingdom of God that people hold. But you know, the fact is, the fact is, is that the kingdom of heaven does not come so often the way we want it to. And so therefore we wonder, about the kingdom of heaven sometimes. And Jesus preached that the kingdom of heaven is not a sudden, decisive victory. No, the kingdom of heaven is not like this cannon shot that just shakes everything and pushes back. The kingdom of heaven is more like a farmer that sows seed and, and the seed is under the ground and the seed just kind of quietly grows. You know, when seeds germinate, it's not just loud and brash. It's just, you don't even know it's happening. And it's happening underneath the soil that the kingdom of heaven is something much more elongated, the the, the coming of the kingdom, much more slow in its development than we are comfortable with. We want it to happen now. Jesus says, no, it's, it's like farming. Yes, there is planting and there's all that's going on and one day there will be harvest and that's when the shock and awe will come. That's when the end will come. That is coming, but for now, this is a, a process that we need to understand. And today, we look at the second parable. The first parable was the sower went out and sowed. The seed was the gospel. The seed fell on four types of soil. Only one type, the good soil, came up and actually produced fruit for the kingdom. And we realized, you know, not everybody even is interested in the kingdom of God. Far from being forced, not everybody's even interested. It's slower developing than we want it to be. But today we look at what's called the parable of the weeds among the wheat. And here the kingdom of God comes quietly, like seed being sown, subversively as well, just like that. But we learn this, that in that process, there is serious opposition to the kingdom. That's what we learn in this parable. There is serious opposition to the kingdom. Now, If you wanted to sum up this parable in one sentence, I would like to suggest that it's this. What comes up will be sorted. Meaning separated, sorted. What comes up will be sorted. The first part of that is, is what's planted in that field? Who planted it? 
and what comes up. And the second part is going to be what God is going to do in the end about all of this. In the parable, when we think about in terms of what comes up, what grows in this field, Jesus says that He's the farmer and He is planting in the field of the world believers, uh, the children of the kingdom, He calls them, in the world, the good plants, and they are represented by the term wheat. I kind of like that, personally. And uh, the bad, bad plants that Satan is sowing into the field, that is the world, are represented as tares. I'm just glad my name is not Joseph Tare. And if there's a Tare family here visiting today, my apologies to you. So already, you see, there's going to be two types of plants coming up. Jesus is planting the wheat. Satan plants the tares. And just like our adversary is, he's sneaky. He comes at night, you see. The enemy comes at night very stealthy and he sows weeds or tares among the wheat. Now we read this passage and we're like, well, that is very interesting agricultural information. That is, when the people at the Sea of Galilee heard this, do you know what they said, if I could say it in a modern way? I got that. I understand that because, you see, that was not an industrial society and that certainly wasn't an information age or a service society. That was an agrarian society. This, there was no urbanization. I mean, Jerusalem was the biggest city, you know, but, but this, this was an agrarian society, meaning where you got your money, where your, your status in life and all this raised up came from your fields. And so one of the ways you could sabotage somebody you just hated, and there was a saying at that time that Jesus is kind of taking off on the saying at that time, I'm going to sow tares in your wheat field. It's like sabotage. Someone mentioned to me it's kind of like, well, those trees outside of Auburn that got poisoned. But I I won't talk about that being an Auburn fan. The goal of the enemy is to try to dilute or derail the kingdom of God. Okay. Truth about our enemy and the kingdom of God. He has no final authority. Jesus has already won. This is all a mop-up operation until he comes. This is an insurgency that God is going to be dealing with powerfully through the church, gathering in, letting the kingdom grow and come until his final return Uh, at at the time when he is ready to come and not necessarily when we would like for him to come. But we notice that Satan has to be really sneaky as he is trying to put the tares among the wheat. And we notice this, is that it's all just right blended into the fabric of everything. So it's not like you've got a, a little plot of tares over here and wheat. The tares are among the wheat And this will become important. You know, if you think about what the challenges to the kingdom of God are, what do you think in terms of? I guarantee you, some of you right now, and by the way, these are all these are legitimate challenges, okay? But I think that some of them do not get at the main point of this parable that Jesus wants us to understand. Some of you are thinking some of the stuff that you hear about on on Christian radio. You know, that the attack on moral values in our culture, and sure enough, that's true. And that, and that is an assault. 
Maybe some of you are thinking about the encroachment and growth of, of secularism in our culture and the shoving out of historic Christianity from the public square. Sure enough, that's true. That is an assault on what is taught in the Scriptures and on historic Christianity. Maybe you think about the overturning by uh, higher courts of certain things that the people have wanted and, and how discouraged sometimes people are um, when, when their will is reversed by a small group of people and it disagrees with what the Scriptures say. I mean, sure, all that can certainly be a part of it. Maybe you think, like I really do, of the persecution of believers in the world happening right now. I read an article about the, the disappearing church in the Middle East. And it's not disappearing because people aren't interested. It's disappearing because people are being run out of town. And churches are being bombed and burned left and right. Something we don't really have a concept of. Yes, there is opposition to the kingdom of God. And it takes lots of forms. But you know, Jesus is, would say to us, thinking in terms of all those things... Yes, but that's too neat and tidy. That's, you know, it's just not a matter of, of those people out there and we people in here, and the problem's not us people, it's those people. What Jesus is saying is, if you really want to get at why the kingdom of God struggles with anemia, what we are tripping over, what it is, the real essence of what it is that is the opposition of the kingdom of God, it's among us. And sometimes it's our, our, even our own attitudes. That's the whole point of the tares being sown among the wheat. And kind of what, what we lead the world to believe as from who we are, what the kingdom of God is like or not like. There are enemies of grace mixed in. There are people who want to use people more than they want to serve people in this world. You believe that? There are people who want to use people more than they want to serve people. That's anti-kingdom values right there. That's the opposite of the kingdom of God. There are people who are more interested in power than ministry. That's anti-kingdom. There are people who are more interested in their own glory than the glory of Jesus Christ. The weeds, the tares among the wheat, that's the biggest threat to the kingdom of God. But you know, the most surprising thing about this parable is it's not how mixed it is. The most surprising thing is that the opposition is allowed to remain there. You know, if, if we're the king and somebody's in opposition, you go get rid of them. If you have the power to get rid of them, you go and get them out of there. That is not the way the kingdom of God works. Now, the weeds that were planted by the enemy who came at night... It was a certain seed that was known back at that time, a certain plant called Darnell, D-A-R-N-E-L. And this is really, you know, uh, diabolical sabotage because 
This isn't just any weed. This is Darnell. And Darnell is actually in the same family as wheat. And when you sow Darnell seeds, when they are little plants, you cannot distinguish Darnell from wheat. So in other words, it's not like, um, you know, while things are little and not grown in together, all the roots together, you could just pull all that out. You can't tell. When you can tell is when finally the heads of grain appear. You know, we have the, the heads of grain that you harvest and you make bread out of. Darnell, on the other hand, they sprout these pods of black seeds that are poisonous. So it's real easy to tell the difference between wheat and Darnell when, the, when, it, when, it, when it comes up. And the servants ask this. They say, you know, you've got black pods all in your field. I thought you planted wheat in your field. Did you plant all this Darnell in your field? No, an enemy did this. And they ask, and it's the natural question, don't you want us to get rid of this, these poisonous things now? And the answer is no. That's surprising. No, because this kingdom really isn't about power and throwing people and kicking people and, and this. No, it will hurt the wheat if you start yanking out who you think are the weeds. Have you ever uh, sent your children to go weed your flower bed? I gave a personal illustration in the first service until I ran into... Uh, Lacey Madden, who gave me a better one from her life between services, she said, oh yeah, my, my mama knows all about this. My mama sent me out to pull the extra monkey grass, and I spent an hour and a half, and I came back in, in a garbage bag with every daylily that had been planted. Why don't you send your children to go weed your bed? Because in pulling out one thing, they yank up, whoa, that's four ninety five right there from Garden Works. How many of those did you pull up? All of them. A few years ago, I decided I needed to try to kill some weeds in my flower bed, and I am not. You can ask my wife after the service. I am not a green thumb. Um, and so uh, the thing about weeds, as, as you know, is it's really frustrating because you go out there, you know, in Mississippi it's 100 degrees, and you pull up the weed, and if you don't get the whole root... You're going to be back next week pulling that same weed. So, I, you know, I, I'm a smart person. Really smart. So, you know what I did? I went to Lowe's and I bought this product called Roundup. Y'all know what Roundup is? Roundup's great. You spray Roundup on a weed, it's going all the way to the root. That thing's going to die. And you'll never have to pick that weed again. I mean, you could spray Roundup on that chair and it would die. I mean, it would ever... Whatever Roundup hits, it dies. And uh, so, you know, there I am, really smart. And I'm spraying my weeds with Roundup. Problem is, there's a little bit of wind that day, and my shrubs start dying. I mean, it's like the Titanic hitting that iceberg. You think, you think it's going to be okay, but it's just a matter of time until that thing goes down. You walk back in the house, all your shrubs are green. They are walking dead shrubs. That's all there is to it. And what Jesus is saying here is, no, the kingdom of God isn't a matter of, you know, rushing to judgment and saying, this person's got to go, that, these people, these are the bad people, we're the good people. I'm not saying we can't deal with issues and truth and reality. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the attitude of the heart. No, leave them there. Don't round up the kingdom. 
Because this kingdom, not the one we want, the one that's quicker, that requires less of us, this kingdom requires more patience than we want to give it. It's very counterintuitive. This kingdom requires more love and less rushing to judgment. This kingdom requires a willingness to actually suffer among the weeds for the sake of people who are yet to know the grace of God. And that is very counterintuitive. We'd rather nuke them. The truth is, is that when Jesus tells this parable, we realize, if we're listening carefully, that God's just more gracious than we are. God's just more merciful than you and I. And through our relationship with Him, if you've understood the meaning of the cross, that in, as Brad had prayed earlier, that, that God really did put our sin upon Him. He really did deal with the, the, the issue that truly separates us from a holy God and takes our sin and offers a relationship to us based on what He's done rather than our own religious works and, and attempts if, if you have a relationship with Him through the cross, that, you know, just through faithful life and ministry, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is emerging, Jesus is saying, and, and, and God may even have usefulness for the weeds. Could it be that the presence of those weeds are maybe just one of the things that keep us very dependent upon the power of of God rather than our own? Could it be that dealing with the weeds and feeling frustrated and feeling weak that, that we go to our Heavenly Father and that there is strength to, to live as I started in a fallen world and how difficult that is? And through God's patience, this is pretty amazing, some of the weeds will become wheat. See, nobody's born wheat. We're all born weeds. I'm talking about the sovereignty of God and election and that type of thing here. I'm talking about the fact that no one knows God. Everyone is an enemy of God. And until God's grace comes to them through the proclamation of the gospel and showing and telling the gospel, we're not going to become wheat. And isn't it great that God is patient? He was patient enough for me. I mean, look, I was definitely a tear, a terror tear many years ago. And I'm so glad that I wasn't just weeded out and thrown away. Martin Luther put it this way. Martin Luther in his commentary says, We are not to uproot or destroy them. Here he says, Jesus says publicly, Let them both grow together. We are attend to, the, to attend to the proclamation of, of the gospel, for he who errs today may find the truth tomorrow. He who knows when the word, who knows when the word of God may touch his heart. Otherwise, we're like those children that kind of make it up into the clubhouse and the treehouse, and we pull the ladder up behind us and shout at all the people that aren't up there with us. And so we read in verse thirty: Let them both grow together until the harvest. So first is what comes up. What comes up is wheat and darnel. What comes up is the fact that it's all mixed together. And that makes it really hard. 
And we'd much rather do us versus them. What comes up, you see, is, is this, this notion of God is being patient, why won't you? That's the way the kingdom of God works. It's much more elongated and requiring more patience than you and I want it to be. But that's the way the kingdom is. What comes up, secondly, will be sorted. Okay, here's the shock and all. You want the shock and all? Look at verse 30. Excuse me, 38. The field is the world, Jesus says. Jesus interprets this parable. He doesn't interpret every parable. He interprets this one. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest, here it is, is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. Verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be. At the end of the age, the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will be thrown, will throw them into the fiery furnace and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The kingdom of God is here now. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But it is not here with immediate and final power. Sometimes we wish that the kingdom of God would come more swiftly and decisively. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man who planted a field. And it's much more elongated and requires much more love and patience than we are often willing to give it. You know, it's really interesting. I was looking at this and and reading and and meditating. And if you'll go back to, to verse 41, I was troubled with verse 41. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And I realize that this is about people that know the grace of God and people who are enemies of grace. I know that it is about people coming to know God, but I can't help but think that there's kind of a a sanctification, a, a Christian growth to mention in this. I can't help but think as I read this, I've got some real weediness in my heart. And maybe, just maybe, along with the patience that it takes to love people, maybe one of the keys to this kingdom that operates this way is is for me and you to actually say, God, Could you deal with my bad attitudes? Could you deal with my pride? Could you deal with the weediness in my heart so that I could actually show and tell the kingdom in such a way that it would really look more like you and less like me and the world would see the difference? The opposition of the weeds will ever be with us and our hearts will definitely struggle with selfishness 
as well until we go to heaven or until Jesus returns, but he can bring his kingdom to bear in our hearts. You know, a lot of this comes down to whether we're going to play defense all the time or whether we're going to play offense as well. Let me explain this. You know, I think you know what I mean by this. If playing defense looks like this. I don't like that, and I'm going to try to stop it. Some things need to be stopped, by the way. Not saying that. This is all about an attitude. Um, we often are, are much more defensive than like all we talk about sometimes. Some folks, it's, it's just what's going wrong in the world and can you believe this and can you believe that? And, and not that any of it is not true. But you know, um, more than anything, as Jesus says, no, let, let them be. Don't, don't be pulling that stuff out of there. You're not omniscient. You're going to hurt somebody with your rushing to judgment. Let them be. No, no you know... Um, we need to keep running the kingdom offense as well. We need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we need to love our neighbors ourselves. We need to make disciples. We need to act merciful and, and, and justly and, and love mercy as we show and tell the gospel of Jesus and, 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 and maybe show more what Jesus is really like as we live in the midst of, of weeds in a fallen world. And, and I would encourage you to not only ask God to work in your heart to be more kingdom value-oriented, kingdom priority, and gospel congruent, grace congruent in your hearts, in my heart, but I would also encourage you to not get too off track by the us versus them thing. Because it's just not that tidy. And I tell you, just being a cranky Christian who's mad all the time is about the least winsome way you can represent the kingdom. And you'll actually lie about Jesus if that's what you're like. So I'd encourage you to, to get close to Jesus. Keep loving people. Bring grace to bear as one who is gracious. I think finally this parable teaches us that we are not to be discouraged, but encouraged because right now, in this sanctuary, as the word is being preached, all over the world, right now, in that quiet, subversive way, Jesus is at work. He has elongated this. There is still room in his barn for other people to come. There is still opportunity to demonstrate grace and mercy and truth and love in this world. And He is at work. And remember, He's the one He said, I will build My church. And the gates of hell, that enemy sowing whatever at night, it doesn't matter what that enemy does. He, he will not prevail. I will prevail. This kingdom will prevail. And you know something? There is enough patience in this kingdom on God's side for people like you and me to come in. And there's enough patience in this agrarian-style kingdom for others to come in as well and for the kingdom to come through the lifting up 
of the gospel of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we hear this parable, we're struck with how counterintuitive it is. Thank you that you're not just frustrated in the heavens. You're working a plan that cannot be stopped, that your kingdom is now and will be. Lord, we pray that you would so work in our hearts that you would remove the weediness from our hearts. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done and you see that God is holy and you you can't make yourself like God through religion, then just pray with me. Lord, I see it. Thank you that you've done everything for me. I want to turn away from everything that I've called Christianity and religion and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have finished for me on the cross, that you take my sin and you give me relationship. And Lord, before we go out into this world as a body of believers today, thank you for the table that you have set before us. And we pray, Lord, that that this time with you would not only be a time of remembering vividly the cross, Lord, would you make it a time of intimacy with you, even repentance, and and seeking for you to work in our hearts as well as praises of gratitude and prayer. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.